Hi everyone, welcome back to Hitchcock University where you learn filmmaking from the masters. My name is Taylor Bickle. Last class session we talked about, um, oh I'm sorry, I'm on the wrong one. Sorry, last class session we talked about Some Like It Hot. This class session we're going to talk about The Apartment. Okay, sorry. I have to, I have to gush about this movie a little bit. This is one of my favorite films. This is definitely my favorite Billy Wilder film. Um, even Billy Wilder... Billy Wilder himself said this is one of the few movies that he wouldn't change a single thing about. Um, the Apartment, for those of you who haven't seen this Oscar award winning great film that somehow has kind of fallen between the cracks, is the story of a young ambitious man who tries to climb the corporate ladder by letting his executives use his apartment for their uh, extramarital affairs. Um, the idea behind this film came between two separate moments of inspiration for uh, Billy and and also with his collaborator um, is IAL Diamond. The first one I believe is purely Billy's. I don't think he knew is when he when he first heard about or, or, or when he first encountered this but he was watching a film by David Lean called Brief Encounter which I have not seen and I, I, I it's it's very high on my list of movies I need to see. Brief Encounter is about a man and a woman who have an affair. And there's a scene in that movie where they use somebody else's apartment for their tryst. Well, Billy got really fascinated by that and started thinking, who lends out their apartment to two people having an affair? Who, who is this man? Who is this man who has, to climb, who has to go home much later than he normally would and then climb into a warm bed? Who is this guy? This this character that I don't believe we ever see in the movie. If 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 I've not been misled by the behind the scenes features on um, on the Blu-ray that I have, I I don't think we ever see this character in the film. But Billy was fascinated by this character, and so he kind of filed that idea away. And then I believe this happened when Billy and his started working together, but it may not have been. Um, there was an agent in Hollywood who was having an affair with a married woman and the husband of the woman found out he found them and shot the agent killed them on the spot and as the murder investigation came out and this giant scandal started coming out in the newspapers it was discovered that the place that they were using was one of the agent's own employees and that kind of helped help them click this story together of, oh, so it's not just about a guy who lends out his apartment to someone who's having an affair. It's a guy who lends out his apartment to his bosses, you know, as kind of a goodwill toward them sort of thing, to, you know. And then it's like, oh, yeah, and then he's trying to kind of climb the corporate ladder and he's trying to get a promotion and all this kind of stuff. And that's the story. That's the guy. Now, you notice that Billy had idea one for a while. But it wasn't until Idea 2 came around that he and his really had something they could run with. Well, Billy talks a lot about um, how the muses work, how ideas work. This comes from um, the book Billy Wilder interviews in an interview called Charming Billy. And he says, you see, you don't look for ideas. It, it occurs to you. I love to make pictures from original stories, and maybe they are my best picture, Sunset Boulevard, The Apartment. But there is no such thing as looking. It occurs to you, and the time comes when you have to get it off your chest. 
He elaborates in another interview um, called Broadcast to Kuala Lumpur. He says, I never sit down to think of an idea. You, I, you are either in the toilet or you are at dinner or you are talking to somebody about something entirely different. You sit down to explore an idea. But the idea comes to you not just by sitting. But then what happens is that once you have the idea, you have one million, one million variants on how to tackle that idea. And then it becomes more or less a labor of elimination of dramatization and putting it, it into one hat. There's this difference between <laughs> there's this difference between inspiration and work is what Billy says. There's this kind of and and for him at least there was an order that these things went through. This idea that inspiration just comes to you. I'm sure a lot of a lot of us have had those moments where just all of a sudden something clicks and you're like, "Oh, that would be amazing. Let's do that." And then he says, and then there's a time where you actually feel you have to do that. And then there's the actual sitting down to explore that idea, to figure it out. And you have a whole bunch of different ideas that spring out of that one idea and figuring out how to kind of how to kind of boil that all down. He also says here in, um, well, hold on. Actually, let me pause there for one second. I kind of want to talk about this. I'm going to I'm going to take a step back and kind of pull from another guy who's not a filmmaker. But a guy who's done a lot of studying into this idea of range. Um, this idea that specializing in one thing is actually not the best way to do it. It's a book called called Range, How Generalists Specialize, or How Generalists Succeed in a Specialized World. And one of the things he talks about is this kind of, from day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year, we, our interests will change. You know, one year we'll be interested in one thing, one year we might be interested in something else. And how important it is to follow that wherever it leads, because I don't know about you, but in my life, sometimes sometimes I've had this where I have an idea and I, and I kind of pound away at it and it just doesn't work. It just doesn't come together. And so I set it aside, but I don't throw it away. I just kind of put it on the back burner. And then one day that idea will circle back around and it kind of comes back and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's perfect. And then now not only do I have this new motivation to work on it, but I now have a new way of coming at it that I didn't have at the time because I was kind of stuck in a rut. And so this idea that, that sometimes it's important for us to abandon projects, but not, I mean, not completely abandon them, but sometimes it's important to set stuff aside because there's something more pressing for you at the moment and you'll probably come back to this. And if you don't, then maybe it's better that it got left there in the first place. That's kind of what Billy's talking about. Now, he elaborates on the way he and Is worked in conversations with Billy Wilder. He says, we, that's Is and I, had a drawer full of situations, you know, which could, which could have happened and could have been made into a good scene for any picture that we were doing. We were always kind of taking things out of that drawer, but only if it fitted. If it did not fit, then it's no good. Then you wait for the better moment. Billy and Is figured out a perfect way to deal with this moment-to-moment inspiration. This kind of... Because you never know when that's going to hit you. You know, you never know when all of a sudden you're going to have a great idea. The trick is write it down. Just put it down on paper. And if you don't have a place for it, put it... Just, just set it aside. Just set it aside. Because there may come a time when you're working on something else where that fits into it. Or there may come a time where where that idea grows into something completely different. And honestly, that might be some of the best writing advice I've ever heard. 
even though it's so simple and for many of us is it, it can be automatic the trick is like he says here if it did not fit then it's no good then you wait for the better moment sometimes we get really excited about something and we try to force it and that's not the way to do it it's better to wait it's better to 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 just kind of see how things evolve and not not force it if it doesn't fit so that's billy's advice on how to deal with inspiration and how to flesh out ideas now there's one other thing that i want to talk about if you if you listen to stories not only of this film but other films that billy was doing around this time what you start to hear is you know none of the actors ever got the whole screenplay you know i think um shirley mclean seems to remember that she only got like 29 pages of a screenplay you know um you know, I think Jack Lemon says he got 60 pages for this one. You know, there's just this is kind of like nobody, no one ever seemed to have a full script. And it seems like Billy was writing it as he was going. You know, like, for example, with Sabrina, you know, Sabrina, you know, Billy was rewriting constantly. Um, you know, the point that Audrey Hepburn had to had to feign illness just so that they could get to the weekend so that Billy could come back with with a with a fleshed out scene with a better scene than he had, you know, or you'll hear about Billy kind of leaning on inspiration drawn from the actors real lives. Like, for example, in this movie, um, Billy heard that Shirley MacLaine had been playing gin rummy with the Rat Pack. And so Billy writes a couple of gin rummy scenes into this film where she where she's playing gin rummy, which seems odd because you also have a man who was very strict about every word has to be spoken exactly as on the page. He's a guy who didn't really enjoy leaning very hard into on the set inspiration. But the inspiration and the improvisation that Billy would do was he had the whole thing mapped out already. You know, he would write Acts 1 and 2, and and that's what people would get. But Act 3, even though he knew the events that were going to happen, he would wait until he'd been working with the actors for a while to write Act 3, to really put it to paper, to get the dialogue there, you know, to get those little character moments together. You know, Billy said that he wanted to see the chemistry between Jack Lemmon in this film and Shirley MacLaine before he actually put pen to paper and wrote act three with is you know they wanted to see how it was going to work which i think is very interesting and it's very it's a fascinating way to me to do it to to have it mapped out he knew what he was going to do he just didn't know exactly how he was going to do it and that was the thing with billy was he loved improvisation and discovering things and 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 finding things and 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 moment to moment inspiration he just didn't like it to happen on set he wanted it to happen before. You know, we talked about in Witness for the Prosecution, we talked about how that worked with Charlie Lawton. Um, he said similar things with working with Jack Lemon. You know, he just wanted it to be, he didn't want it to interfere with the actual process of the filmmaking, but it was important to draw on that inspiration as well. And so this is Billy, this is how Billy figured out how to do it. This is what Billy figured out to do was know what you're going to do and just wait, just kind of see if, if things pop up you know, and, and see if there's ways that you can kind of sew it up a little bit neater than you would have otherwise, especially for that third act. Well, that's all I have for, um, that's all I have for, uh, the apartment. Uh, not a whole lot there. Um, the movie's a lot better than this podcast for sure. Um, <laughs> 
But but yeah, I mean that's all I've got. So next we're going to talk about one, two, three, and then we're going to talk about Irma Leduce, and then we're going to talk about a movie, Kiss Me Stupid. But yeah, I mean that's all we have for this class session. Uh, thank you all for listening to Hitchcock University, where you learn filmmaking from the masters. If you'd like to reach out to the podcast for any reason, uh, comments, questions, concerns, suggestions, you can email us. Uh, our email address is hitchcockuniversity at gmail.com. You can also find us on the Hitchcock University Facebook page and, of course, on Twitter as well at uh, Hitchcock underscore U. The letter U is in university. Um, but, yeah, thank you so much for listening to Hitchcock University, where you learn filmmaking from the masters. My name is Taylor Bickle, and we will talk to you again in two weeks. Thanks so much.